Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look ahead to the final of the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations with the host Morocco playing South Africa. Banyana Banyana goalkeeper Andile Clamini tells us what it would mean to win the tournament for the first time. Everyone wants to do this for, for change in South Africa, wants to do this for positive vibes in South Africa. That's coming shortly. Plus, we look back at the controversy and the excitement of the semi-finals at the WAFCON. Plus, your thoughts on the CAF Awards. And Stuart focuses on the newly promoted teams in the English Premier League. But let's start at the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations in Morocco as the hosts play South Africa in Saturday's final following two dramatic semi-finals. So the top four teams have qualified for the Women's World Cup next year. That's Morocco, South Africa, Nigeria and Zambia, while Senegal and Cameroon go to the intercontinental playoffs after winning the playoff games in Morocco for the losing quarter-finalists. Well, with massive home support, Morocco beat nine-woman Nigeria on penalties after a 1-1 draw in the semi-finals. Nigeria players then boycotted training on Wednesday over unpaid allowances and bonuses. Well, the Super Falcons have won nine of the 11 editions of the WAFCON, so a shock exit and a familiar story with the dispute over money, Ida. Indeed, Steve, a very familiar story. Three years back, it was a similar story at the Women's World Cup in France when Nigeria did a sit-in protest over unpaid dues. Three years before that, at the 2016 Auckland in Cameroon, well, it was a similar story again, you know, and that was a tournament they won their eighth title in, I believe. But look, this is something that dates to as far back as 18 years ago at the 2004 Auckland in South Africa. That was when the Nigerian team then went through similar challenges. Steve, it's reported that till date, the coach who led them to that glory, Godwin Ezelin, has never been paid. So you get to see that sometimes the more things change, the more they stay the same. The story behind this latest saga is that the players refused to attend midweek training. Steve, each Nigerian player at this Wafgen is supposed to receive a $100 daily allowance, $3,000 for a group stage win, and $1,500 for a draw. Now, there's accrued dues after those wins over Botswana, Burundi, and Cameroon that, of course, merited bonuses. Add to that the fact that there's reportedly an issue with the first days of camp also going unpaid, and all in all, it's a shame, really, but... Frankly, one that the Federation seems to have gotten used to, as this is something that has almost become expected, you know, anytime Nigeria takes part in a high-level competition. But looking at the match that saw the Super Falcons bundled out, well, I mean, anything can happen, you know, when it gets to penalties. Credit to Nigeria for holding out for so long, and less to women, by the way. Pretty much the entire second half really going into penalties, extra time. Credit as well to Nigeria goalkeeper Chimaka Naduzi. 
her Woman of the Match award very, very deserved. As for Morocco, well, their first ever finals and bundling out the record time champions in the process, Steve. I mean, what a week for them. Home advantage, of course, a big, big factor, as you've mentioned there. The Morocco-Nigeria match attended by over 45,000 people. Steve, a true testament to the fact that women's football in Africa does have fandom that can be built upon, you know, and leveraged. I mean, that was really, really encouraging to see. Oh, yes, there was huge support for Morocco in that semi-final. Uh, so Nigeria will play Zambia in the third-place playoff. That's after South Africa beat Zambia 1-0 with a controversial stoppage time penalty in their semi-final. Uh, here's Grace Chanda of Zambia, who took the Player of the Match award. We fight a lot because it's our first time to reach for this stage. So we are happy. Even the country, they are happy. We push to get the three possession, so we'll fight in the next game. Well, the penalty was awarded after Martha Tembo was judged to have fouled Jemena Siapusenswe after VAR intervened and the Ethiopian referee Lydia Tafese looked at the pitch-side monitor. Now, the Zambia coach Bruce Mwapi was sure that it was a wrong decision. Yeah, from my opinion, I still... Uh, I, don't, I, I still don't believe that was supposed to be a penalty because, uh, uh, okay, where we, sit, where, where we were seated, it was, uh, it was a bit far, but, but uh, all the same, we could see that uh, there was no contact between, between the two. But uh, in football, they say if his decision is uh, final, so there is nothing that we can do about it. Okay, she might have uh, uh, made a mistake, but uh, the final decision, she it was a decision. So, uh, like I've, I've said, uh, there's nothing that we can do, but we were disappointed. That's not the way. If we had gone to the extra time, because uh, uh, that time when she, she, gave, um, she gave that penalty, it was, uh, it, the game was almost over. I'm sure going into the extra time, we could have uh, carried the day. But uh, to me, I think we were, we were robbed. That's the Zambia coach Bruce Mwapi saying that the Shipolo Polo were robbed. Uh, the Football Association of Zambia lodged an official complaint with CAF and it was such a decisive moment in the game, Ida. Steve, extremely decisive. The call was made in the third minute of stoppage time and who knows what would have happened if it went into extra time. You know, Mwapi, of course, they're confident that the Copper Queens would have taken it. Many claim that the incident actually happened at the edge of the box and not inside the penalty area. The Ethiopian referee has since been the subject of immense online abuse, but the Zambian Federation has taken it a step further and uh, brought the matter to CAF, requesting for a replay of the match based on what they termed as six specific incidents they cited in the course of the game. 
The general officiating at the Wafgen is definitely something that has been brought to question by different stakeholders. I mean, we've just mentioned Nigerian goalkeeper Chimaka Nadozie, and she went on a rant on her social media, you know, saying that that semifinal was the worst game she has ever played, courtesy of the officiating, you know, amongst many other things. But hey, there's little to do here other than look ahead and prepare for the next match. Nigeria, Zambia, well, that should be a good one. I mean, both heavyweights, both coming into this with baggage from the semifinals, sure. But they'll have no choice, Steve, but to leave it in the changing rooms before coming onto the pitch. Yes, uh, let's now focus on the final. It's Morocco versus South Africa on Saturday night. Both teams looking to win a first WAFCON title. Uh, first, here's the South Africa coach Desiree Ellis on whether the pressure is less as they have already achieved the main objective of qualifying for next year's Women's World Cup. I think not just mine, but I think the whole group because it was our, it was our two objectives to qualify for the World Cup and to get to, to, to the final. And, um, you know, um, there's players that uh, that have come before. There's coaches that have come before, and many have been in this position. And we want to go one better. Um, it's going to be a difficult game in any case. That's Desiree Ellis. So less pressure on one hand, but on the other, South Africa have been runners-up five times and are still aiming for a first WAFCON title. Here's the South Africa goalkeeper Andile Clamini. We are extremely happy that we made it to the finals. Um, God is great all the time, even. And I, I believe that each and every player in this team wants to win. And um, they are motivated. You know, they are... There's something about this team that's so unbreakable. You know, and I, I know for a fact that everyone wants to do this for for change in South Africa, wants to do this for positive vibes in South Africa. And, you know, when you walk on the field, no one wants to lose a game, you know. We we want to do this uh, for all these youngsters who are depressed, you know. They have to come back and, and, and enjoy life and, and be themselves and, and work extremely hard to, to better their lives because we, we are getting a whole lot of, a lot of youngsters who are who are killing themselves these days and we we are getting... Uh, load shedding obviously you know and uh, obviously violence in South Africa so we need to unite everyone that's South Africa goalkeeper Andele Clamini. So it would mean so much to South Africa to win the Women's Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, same too for Morocco, who seem to have the whole nation behind them. So who do you think's going to take it, Ida? South Africa should take it, Steve. And if for nothing else, the fact that they've been here so many times, as you've put it, without actually lifting the title... So I do get Coach Ellis saying that they definitely want to do one better. But of course, it's not to say that they deserve it simply because of that. It's football, you know, and we all know the win doesn't just go to whoever, you know, quote unquote, deserves it, because that can also be quite subjective. Morocco, despite being at home, are definitely the underdogs, if you ask me at least. Steve, remember South Africa are giants on the continent when it comes to women's football and are professionals who have been at this stage numerous times. So I doubt that they will be the type to be faced by atmosphere, the fans and what have you. Because look, 
While we were talking 45,000 in the semifinals, that will easily be topped up at the finals. But would it be a dream for the Moroccans to lift a first WAFCON title at home? In the process, cementing all the work that their government in the last few years has done to develop women's football? Absolutely. And Steve, don't forget that this would add to Morocco's immense success in African football this year because the CAF Champions League and the CAF Confederation Cup are actually all in Morocco. Yes, the huge investment in Moroccan football bringing results on uh, many fronts. Thanks, Ida. Next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, show brought to you by Passion for Sport to the CAF Awards. And uh, Sajo Mane won the Men's Player of the Year Award for 2021-22 to at a ceremony on Thursday night in Rabat in Morocco, where many African football stars, past and present, were there. It's a second award for Mane. He was the holder of the award, which was last given way back in 2019. He impressed with Liverpool at club level. He won the Africa Cup of Nations with Senegal and helped the Taranga Lions to the World Cup finals as they beat Egypt in the playoffs. Well, Senegal did uh, win two other big awards, the Men's Team of the Year and also the Men's Coach of the Year, going to the Taranga Lions coach, Aliou Cisse. Other winners included the Women's Player of the Year, Asisat Oshwala of Nigeria and Barcelona. She took a record fifth title. She was level on four awards with Nigeria's Perpetua and Quacha, so Asisat Oshwala doing great things. Uh, the Women's Team of the Year will only be decided after Saturday's Women's AFCON final. Uh, then the Women's Club of the Year went to Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa. Remember, they won the inaugural edition of the CAF Women's Champions League. Uh, the men's team of the year went to the uh, CAF Champions League winners Widat Casablanca of Morocco and the women's coach of the year was South Africa's Desiree Ellis. So confidence booster ahead of a Saturday's final at the WAFCON between South Africa and Morocco. Well, now on social media last week, we asked, who do you think deserves to win the African Footballer of the Year award? And the vast majority went for uh, Sajo Mane. Uh, they included Brian in Namibia, uh, Riak Maniel in South Sudan, uh, Chemo Uumbalde in Guinea-Bissau, and Chonganyi in Cameroon, Jehu Berhan in Ethiopia, uh, Argimat Sone, who's in South Africa, uh, Sejuku Jafari in Uganda, Sideko Suno in the Gambia, Harry Scanny in Kenya, and uh, beyond the continent, Ramatuli Bijalo in Norway, and Mohamed Mansarai in the USA, all saying that Mane deserved it. Uh, Peter Musa in Sierra Leone uh, said Sajo Mane because he won the Africa Cup of Nations with Senegal and qualified his national team to the World Cup and won two trophies with Liverpool. And Anthony Patrick in Nigeria also says Mane for winning the AFCON and qualifying Senegal for the World Cup against the same opponent, Egypt, which contains Mohamed Salah. Uh, John Uduma in Nigeria says, why would they give it to Salah? Uh, Mane and Salah met twice on international grounds and Mane outclassed him in display. Uh, Mane is not well-spoken like Salah, but he seems to have a fighting spirit that influences his team, especially when the odds seem to be challenging both home and abroad. Uh, so it's Mane for me with a Mende who should follow before Salah, says a John in Nigeria. 
A Belong Paji in the Gambia says, I think a man deserves it, being so determined, and uh, he makes the best of the chances that come his way. And uh, Mihiria Tab S. Aguye in Ethiopia says, No question, a man is the one who deserves it. But not everybody was that clear in their views. Yabala Kam Abdu says, what's the criteria? If it's based on individual performance, then Salah deserves it. But if it's based on collective trophies, then it must be Mane or Mende who deserve it. That's my humble opinion, says Yabala Kam. Idris Raspi in Nigeria says individually it's Salah, but for team performance it's Mane. And Wanu Jerry is in Papua New Guinea. Uh, Wanu says, I give all credit to Mohamed Salah uh, since Sajjo Mane will be his assistant ball feeder. Mohamed Koroma says Salah is my favourite player in Africa, but Mane deserves the award. And uh, then a few other suggestions that we had. Joseph Enna Retimi says it's Edward Mendy for me, the Chelsea and Senegal goalkeeper. And uh, Joseph says uh, his achievements as a club World Cup winner, Super Cup winner, getting to the semi-finals of the Champions League and losing the FA Cup final. He is the best overall. Uh, Master Williams also felt that Mendy deserved it for winning the Nations Cup, the Club World Cup and the Super Cup. And Kisingu Mwavulika says Edward Mendy for me. Then Turai in Sierra Leone says Sebastian Haller deserved it, uh, the Ivorian who is playing for Ajax. And Mariam Katia Mansour says it should be Riyad Mahrez. The Algerian was the English Premier League champion, not any of those others. Uh, Belinda Mjeba in Cameroon says it should be Carl Toko Ekambi, who played so well at the Nations Cup. And Soso Silas Barak says Vincent Abubakar of Cameroon deserves it more than the others for his goal-scoring exploits at the AFCON this year. And a Divine Ben in Nigeria says it's the one who won the EPL Golden Boot, the highest assist and two domestic trophies. It's Mohamed Salah for me, says Divine Ben. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. So most people saying Mane, who indeed uh, took the award that uh, many did say he very much deserved. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, now. And uh, just two weeks to go to the start of the new English Premier League season, would you believe? And next weekend, it's the Community Shield, and the action will then start uh, on the 5th of August. Uh, let's take a look at the newly promoted clubs, uh, Stuart. Um, who do you think uh, might fare best of those? Well, Steve, I don't know about you, but I don't feel I'm ready for the new season, but there we are. I mean, it's terrible, really, that we're already... Asking the question, will Nottingham Forest, Fulham and AFC Bournemouth be the three clubs to be relegated? And the reality is that they are favourites for relegation because that's what often happens. Now, Nottingham Forest, promoted via the playoffs, may take comfort from the fact that last season, Brentford, the club promoted via the playoffs, survived, while the top two in the championship, Watford and Norwich, were both relegated. Nottingham Forest is a club with an illustrious past if you go back 50 years. Uh, they won the European Cup, as the Champions League was then called, in successive seasons back in the 1970s and 80s. 
but it's actually nearly 20 years since they were last in the Premier League. They've been really busy in the transfer market signing 10 new players, including Dean Henderson, the Manchester United goalkeeper on loan. You know, a year ago, Steve, we were talking about Henderson possibly becoming the number one at Manchester United, but then the Hayes form picked up and Henderson had decided to go out on loan again. But that means that the regular Nottingham Forest goalkeeper for the last three years, Bryce Samba from DR Congo, who was a hero in the penalty shootout that got them into the Premier League, has now left to play in France. Another example of what we sometimes talk about, how promotion to the Premier League is not always good news for the players. That leaves Taiwo Awani from Nigeria as their only African player. He's 24, has been playing in Germany, but it's his second spell in the Premier League, having been a Liverpool player, but actually he never got a first-team game there. How good are Forest? Well, we'll find out. But they had an excellent run in the FA Cup last season, beating Arsenal and Leicester City, and then only losing to Liverpool by one goal. And, you know, they had an exciting young side, and they've added some experienced players, so perhaps they can survive. Forest manager is Steve Cooper, and he's an interesting person. He's never played football at the top level, and he's very much a coach who has worked a lot with young players. He was manager of Swansea City for two years, then appointed to Nottingham Forest and got them promoted in his first year. So that is three years after he started his first job as a manager. He's in the Premier League. Fulham, you might say, are a yo-yo club. They go up and down. And for the last five seasons, they have either been promoted or relegated. Neskin's Kibano from DR Congo is their only African player, with Jean Serri from Cote d'Ivoire and Henri Frank Zambo Aguisa from Cameroon having both left. Fulham's only additions to the squad so far are the Brazilian Andreas Pereira, who was at Manchester United for four years but without ever really holding down a regular place, and John Polino from Portugal. Obviously, they could sign more players, but at the moment, it's hard to see Fulham with that squad of player being anywhere other than in or just above the relegation zone. Fulham's manager is Marco Silva. He's been in England for five years, having managed Hull City, Watford, Everton, and now Fulham. Bournemouth are back in the Premier League after three years in the Championship, and part of their problem has been that they lost a lot of their top players when they went out of the Premier League. Their current manager is Scott Parker. Now, he was manager of Fulham when they were relegated a year ago. He left relegated Fulham to join Championship AFC Bournemouth and got them promoted. Um, Bournemouth's only African player is their English-born Zimbabwean, Jordan Zamora. Perhaps I'm being very pessimistic, Steve, but I think the Bournemouth squad, like Fulham's, looks like a championship squad which could struggle to stay in the Premier League. So at this stage, I wouldn't put money on any of the three surviving. Perhaps Forrest the more likely.
Yes, so Stuart thinking it's going to be tough for the newly promoted teams and that maybe Nottingham Forest have the best chance of staying up of those three. Asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. So just two weeks to go to the start of the new English Premier League season. So out of those three newly promoted clubs, uh, Fulham, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, which of those do you think will do best and why? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And Stuart, you've been uh, taking a look at why we seem to have more players who are playing well as their years are advancing these days. Well, it's remarkable, Steve, how many older players we're getting. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, we've talked about him being the United top goal scorer at the age of 37. AC Milan is still trying to persuade Zlatan Ibrahimovic to stay with them despite being 40. And it's not just football. Novik Djokovic has just won the Wimbledon Tennis Championship at the age of 35. And his biggest rival, Nadal, is 36. And Venus Williams was playing at the age of 42. So I've been reading an article uh, by a fitness and lifestyle expert, Peta B, who has identified seven factors which help players to play longer uh, in the modern era. And she said the first one is sports science, because while top athletes have always been committed, suddenly science and other resources are giving them new tools and it used to be a quick stretch before a game but that's now been replaced by physiotherapist designed tailor-made warm-ups for each player and preventing injuries has become a science in itself um, Professor James McPhee from the Manchester Metropolitan University says I know of footballers who bring in an expert to advise where to put the windows in their new houses to optimise sleep because they know that a lack of sleep can lead to injuries. And then there's the whole recovery. Uh, You know, it used to be a quick massage after the game, but now there's foam rollers, compression clothing, just all to avoid accumulating fatigue. And if you're really serious about it, cryotherapy, where you can go into an ice chamber at a temperature of 160 degrees minus for two minutes to help soft tissue injuries. Then there's nutrition. It used to be that footballers would eat steak and raw eggs. But now there's all sorts of performance-enhancing foods helping athletes to train better and to train smarter. And there is evidence that consuming protein immediately after training is especially beneficial. And then psychology, which is relatively new in the game. But you now have most clubs using a psychologist to help athletes to develop habits which are important for sports longevity. Strength and conditioning has become specific to the type of sport and even to the individual so that it's not just gaining muscle but improving fatigue resistance to use a modern phrase. And finally with data tracking with players wearing GPS in training sessions they're being analysed with data being logged apparently 20 times per second so That is why, in part, players like Ronaldo can look as fresh at 37 as they did at 24.
Right, so it's to do with sport and science. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, before we go, a reminder of our question on social media this week. Which of the newly promoted teams in the English Premier League do you think will do best this season? So Fulham, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest are the promoted sides. The new season just two weeks away. Which of them do you think will do best and why? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five. 232780 which of the newly promoted teams do you think will do best in the upcoming English Premier League season and a reminder of those CAF awards winners Sergio Mane taking the men's player of the year award well done to him women's player of the year to Assisat Oshwala of Nigeria and Barcelona a record breaking fifth title for Assisat the men's team of the year national team going to Senegal the women's national team only to be decided after Saturday's WAFCON final between Morocco and South Africa the women's team of the year at club level Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa Africa, the Women's Champions League winners and the Men's Club of the Year Widat Casablanca of Morocco after winning the Men's Champions League Men's Coach of the Year Aliou Cisse of Senegal and the Women's Coach of the Year South Africa's Desiree Ellis Well that's it for this week's show we'll be talking about the Women's Africa Cup of Nations final on next week's show Morocco against South Africa but for me Steve Vickers in Harare from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and from Stuart Weir in the UK thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production